Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. I want to invite you to jump in the Word with me today. And if you have your Bible there handy or you uh, have a, your Android or iPhone, however you access the Scriptures, if you would look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, holding a place at 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to back up and actually look at some of the uh, preceding Scriptures as well, back as far as 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But while you're finding that space there, I want to begin to give you some thoughts here this morning to to just begin to set the stage for our study together today. And the thought I want to ask you, I want to lead you in, is by asking you this question. Have you prophesied today? Have you prophesied today? Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, it's only 9 in the morning, and, you know, it's, it's early yet. No, I haven't prophesied. But, you know, you very well may have. Maybe there's some of you who got up this morning and you just didn't feel exactly right, and maybe situations weren't lining up exactly like you wanted them to, and you let out and you said, man, this is going to be a rotten day. You were prophesying about your day. Maybe there are those of you, on the other hand, you got up, everything was going your way, and you said, man, I just feel like this is going to be a great day. You too were engaged in the action of prophecy. And, you know, you, you, you may be thinking as I'm saying that, well, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a prophet. And, and to that end, I would disagree with you. Whether you know it or not, whether you recognize it or not, to some degree, All of us sit in the place of a prophet. You say, well, pastor, where do you come up with that kind of information at? How do you arrive at that conclusion? Well, I'll tell you this. In Proverbs 18, beginning in verse 21, the word of the Lord says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You and I constantly are speaking to the situations, the circumstances in our lives, we are speaking life or we are speaking death. We're speaking faith. We're speaking doubt. We're speaking restoration. We're speaking destruction. But we are continually prophesying whether we know it or not. Now, I want to point to you here, just make a point of reference here and say, listen, I didn't ask you if you had prophesied at some point in your life or has there ever been a time when the Lord used you in the prophetic setting. My question was specifically, have you prophesied today? And I'm asking this because understanding that life and death are in the power of the tongue, I'd be willing to assume that each of you has prophesied over some situation today, either in your thoughts or with your words, you've spoken life and victory or you've spoken death and defeat over some situation, some circumstance in your life already today. Maybe it's not even in your life. Maybe it's in our nation. Maybe it's in our community. Maybe it's in in the health system, the healthcare system, that you've already spoken one of those things over it already today as news has been coming forth already this morning. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul tells us about different types of spiritual gifts. And you know, to a lot of people, and especially this issue of prophecy, spiritual gifts have become a very sensational thing. 
You know, we have, we've sensationalized spiritual gifts now to the point that they almost seem kind of mysterious and almost beyond our understanding or our finding out. And, you know, we've, we've just sensationalized it almost to the point that there are people who don't even live Christian lives, but yet they desire these gifts because they seem like some kind of magic. We, we read about the words of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of faith, gifts of healing, miracles, uh, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that unless we're motivated by love, these gifts are useless. Listen, it's, it's not that chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts and chapter 14 is about uh, spiritual gifts, but in the middle, Paul pauses to tell us about love No, chapters 12 through 14, including chapter 13, is all a thesis on spiritual gifts and the right exercise of those gifts. So now we we fast forward with that understanding, and I encourage you to go back in your word, read chapters 12 in their entirety and 13 in its entirety as well. So read both of those in their entirety and lead up to this point where we finally come to chapter uh, chapter 14, verse 1, And we hear Paul say these words, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, church, the reason I'm sharing this message with you today is this. You know, we we are in trying times. I know that you've heard that now at this point ad nauseum, and I'm almost kind of uh, reserved a little bit in, in bringing that up and pointing out the severity of the situation, although we don't want to deny reality at any point, it's just like, I'm tired of focusing on the gloom and despair of the moment, you know? I mean, come on, let's, let's have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let's, let's just focus on what God's doing here for a minute and leave that stuff aside. But the, the reason that I am, I'm urging you with this today is because I'm like Paul. In the midst of this quarantine and all of these bad news things that are circulating around and and you know what the democrats said what the republicans said what the world health organization said and all these things in the middle of all that i'm like paul especially especially church that you would prophesy that you would prophesy now when you face the adversity of the present circumstances My earnest desire for you is that you prophesy, that you would prophesy. Now, speak, and what I mean by that is speaking life and blessing over your situation, over your family, over your community, over our state and our nation, even over foreign lands, that you would now, right now, speak life, speak life and blessing and healing, not death destruction, and cursing. So here we want to note here in chapter 12 that Paul uses a noun when he's describing the spiritual gift of prophecy. So what is prophecy as an object? And I might rephrase that and ask, what should prophecy be as an object? What should prophecy be as an object? Now, speaking, 
prophecy as an object should be speaking according to God's revealed word. There are several books in the Bible, and, and we group those together as the prophets. There's a section or several books in your word that their, their classification is that they are prophets. There are the major prophets, the minor prophets. If you've been a student of Bible study for any kind of time, I'm sure that you've heard that designation, that classification. Major prophets, minor prophets. And these were people who received special revelation from the Lord for a specific season in life of of a people as they were given special insight by revelation of the Holy Spirit. It was times of great national turmoil or political upheaval or uh, wickedness on the part of a generation that God would raise up men and women and he would give them a special revelation for that season of life in in that that nation or in that uh, regional context and he would speak to them. And based on that insight or that revelation, they spoke boldly to generations to proclaim, thus says the Lord. Now, our most common perception of what it means to prophesy is that. It's for someone to receive a, have received a special revelation from God, a revelatory insight into a particular situation, and then boldly share what they feel the Lord has laid on their hearts. And sometimes these can be very bold predictions about the future, and sometimes they're just a gentle word of confirmation that's given to individuals for a particular season in life. I, this, this discussion this morning calls to mind uh, several years ago. My family and I were sitting in a restaurant on a Sunday afternoon when I saw a young man and his wife come through the door. And they were, and, and they were standing there at the counter, and immediately, it's like the Lord just drew my attention to that, this young couple. And I watched them as they passed through the lines in the restaurant. And, they, and the more I watched, the more convinced I was that God had a pastoral anointing on the life of this young couple. And when it was time to leave, I, I felt compelled to approach that young couple. So as my family progressed out the door, I stopped and introduced myself. And I, I asked him this question. I said, so tell me, tell me this, where do you pastor? And he looked at me kind of sheepishly, and he said, nowhere. But we, we do serve at this church, and he named the church. And I told him, you know, I said, well, I figured as much. And then I proceeded to say this to him. I said, listen, I don't know if what I'm about to say will mean anything to you or not, but I believe that the Lord has shown me that you have a pastoral anointing over your life, and whatever the Lord has spoken to you, now is the time to pursue I told him that. He received it well. I looked across the table, and there sat his young wife in tears. And I asked her, I said, hey, what's going on here? And she replied to me. She said, listen, he's been struggling with a call from the Lord for over two years and just couldn't decide if that's what he needed to do or not. And I'm going to tell you what. You talk about somebody being relieved In that moment, you better believe that I was relieved. It made me feel a lot better that what I said had resonated and they had identified with that message. And, and you know, sometimes around the altars, 
You know, I, I'm not the only one. I, I've talked to several people who experience this, that as I begin to pray with people at the altar, God will give me a specific thing to pray about. And I've never ever thought about it before in, in relation to that individual, but you'll see people begin to break in the presence of the Lord because while it had never occurred to us, it meant something special to them in relation to what they were going through, and it was ministering to them. And that was the Holy Spirit working through our lives with the gift of prophecy. But I, I want to confess to you today that when we hear the apostles say, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, I'm a little less concerned that you receive a special revelation from the Lord and learn to focus more on the revelation that you hold in your hand right now. That's right. There's a, there's a revelatory word that comes from God that's common to all believers, and that's the Bible. And contained therein is what God has said about you, what God has revealed about himself, and how the two of those issues correspond to each other. And, and that's the foundation of what I want you to use as a prophetic word. That's what I'm encouraging you with today. And quite frankly, listen to me, until you have learned to speak this word, quite frankly, I'm not interested in hearing anything else with which you might have been inspired. Because whatever we're inspired with to say, it first of all needs to align with this word so that we're sure that what we're saying is not the fruit of our own imaginations that we are you know we're being led by the we're being led and grounded in the word of god see before you can speak something you must first know something before you can speak something you must first know something and so many times when people face trouble in their lives what they'll do is they'll run from revival service to revival service. They'll flip the channels from TV preacher to TV preacher, and they'll talk to friend after Christian friend, and they'll run to and fro and here and yonder, and the whole while they are looking for a word. They're looking for somebody to speak a word over their lives. They're starving for somebody to speak something over their lives that's going to encourage them, that's going to lift them up, that's going to deliver them from the pit of despair. Listen, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, we read these words. It says this of David, King David. It says, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, I use the King James Version this morning here specifically because it uses the word encouraged there in its place. You see, we also learn from the apostle in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians that encouragement, encouragement, Edification of the body of Christ, the, the lifting of one another is, is the actual purpose, one of the greatest purposes for the gift of prophecy. I want to tell you that we should be in this season about the business of encouraging one another in the things of the Lord, especially in this time of what we may call a seeming disbursement. 
We can't gather here together. We can't shake hands. We can't have the, the standard greetings. We can't hug one another. There's, there's no embrace to be had. And, and it's in these moments, especially, that we need to be encouraging one another. There are phone calls that need to be made today. Perhaps some of you, as soon as this stream is over, you need to get in contact with your connect groups. You need to shoot out that message. You need to make that phone call to somebody that now at this point you haven't seen in a couple of weeks and say, you know what? I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks, and I just wanted to let you know that even though you've been absent, that we've been absent from each other, there's a fondness in my heart, and I miss you, and I love you, and I pray that you're doing well, and that God is prospering you even in this difficult season. And we need to encourage one another in that way. Along with that encouragement of one another, we need also to prophesy to our own selves sometimes, just the way that David did. You see, in the, in the midnight hours of your life, when the battle is the hottest, when the climb is the steepest, when the road has never been more rough underneath your feet, there's nothing better that you can do for yourself than learn the words that are written in this Bible, to hide them in your heart, to know their truth, to understand the revelatory Word of God and repeat it with authority in the face of your adversity and serve as a prophet in your own life. To serve as a prophet in your own life. I want you to listen to this illustration, this story from a great, powerful man of God. In Genesis chapter 22, you'll read the story of, of Abraham as he headed out on a dark and a dreadful journey. You see, the, the purpose of this journey was that the Lord had spoken to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to take your son." Your son Isaac, the son whom you love. I want you to take Isaac to a place that I'm going to show you. And there I want you to offer him as a burnt offering to me. I want you to sacrifice Isaac to me. Show me now that there's nothing in your heart that takes precedent above me. And in obedience, Abraham begins to move. And he was to take the seed of promise and to sacrifice it as a burnt offering. He had waited all his 100-year-old life for the birth of this boy. And now something was threatening to take Isaac away from him. Listen, there's some of you today that are listening to me via the Internet. You're listening, me, you're listening to me today. You're hearing this message. And you've worked and you've built up nest eggs. And now it's all crumbling down. Markets are crashing. And it's all, it looks like it's coming to naught. Maybe you've worked hard at your career and now that, that future seems so uncertain. Listen, you just walk. You just walk in faith in the Word of God today. Let me encourage you with that. You see, Abraham had waited all of his 100-year life for the birth of this boy and now something was threatening to take Isaac away from him. But yet, he set out on a three-day journey where this sacrifice was supposed to happen. And the Bible says that Abraham and Isaac left the servants behind. And this is what Abraham says. This is, this is where Abraham lifts his, utters his first prophetic word. He says this to his servants. At the point where they were to part, Abraham and Isaac were going to go ahead and, and leave the servants there tending to the donkeys and the, and the various articles that they had brought with them. He says this to his servants. He says, you stay here 
and the boy and I will go and worship an emphasis right here and we not I he knew the plan he knew what God had called him to do but yet he said by faith we will come back to you now in in the Bible we learn of the character of God that he doesn't make any empty promises but he who had promised is faithful and Abraham knew this he said listen me me and the boy we're going to worship and we will come back because Abraham knew that even even if he did have to offer Isaac as a sacrifice that God's promises were true and that Isaac was his promise from God he says listen we will be back and then they started up the mountain the side of that mountain and Isaac began to be suspicious and he said to his father father the fire and the wood but where is the sacrifice now here it comes again Abraham prophesied again he said listen son the Lord will provide because this Bible says that the righteous seed of the Lord has never been forsaken nor seen, been seen begging for bread. And church, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. Today in this hour of difficulty, when we can't see the end, God already knows. God already knows and he is our provider. Now, Caleb said, listen, I know what God has promised me. I know what God has promised me, and I'm tired of living outside of the promise. And, and his reply to the adversities that he faced is, listen, we are still well able to take the land. We're able to have what God has promised us. When the earth hinders and hell rages against your life, you're going to need to know how to do the same. And that's what I'm encouraging you with today, church. Listen, I'm not suggesting that you become unaware of your reality. I'm not asking you to stick your head in, a sand, in the sand. I'm not asking you to ignore the facts. No, no, no. I want you to be very much in touch with reality. I want you to know what the times and the seasons hold. Listen, the Word speaks about some men from Issachar. And it says this, that, that the, the sons of Issachar, they understood the times. They understood the times, but wisdom was not only understanding the times, but it was knowing according to the Word of the Lord what the people of God should do. I want you to be just like that. I want you to understand the times. I want you to know what's going on in the world around you, and I want you to know the things that are imposing upon your life. But at the same time, I want you to understand the truth of God's Word, and I want you to be able to stand in the face of that mountain and declare, be moved into the sea. Speak life, speak faith, speak hope, even in the midst of grim reality. I want to close with this story. Now, it's, it's March, and this is a time usually, especially in this area of the world, when you know the excitement level is so high and uh, brackets are just busting all over the place because in the in the college hoops tournaments you know everybody just has their favorite and they've filled out all those things and there's all kinds of trash talk and rivalry going on but I want to share this story with you I had this message on my heart and and I reflected as I was meditating on this message I reflected back to a story that I I heard some time ago as I sat down at the end of a long day 
And I was just, I was sitting there and it was just before time to go to bed and I turned the TV on for a few minutes and I began flipping through the channels. And I, I finally came across, you know, one of those ESPN 30 for 30s, those little, those little stories that they run on there. And it was about a sports team right here in North Carolina. So I decided to pay attention for a few minutes. And, and you know, a few minutes turned into an hour, however long it was. And, you know, I just could not walk away from that story. I just could not walk away from that story. I, I, as, as the reporters were, were telling this story and they were interviewing these people, they began to talk about a young basketball coach who walked out to his team, who coming out of the previous season had recorded, uh, had a record that was under 500. Now, for those of you who don't know sports and don't follow that very well, that means that in the previous year, they had lost more games than they had won. In other words, to put it in real layman's terms for you, they stunk. I mean, they, they were not good. They were, you know, the proverbial bad news bears. Yet... Here comes this young, fiery basketball coach, and he walks out on the court to this terrible team at the very first practice, and he says these words. He said, hello, team. I am Jim, I'm coach Jim Balvano, and I am here to win a national championship. I'm here to win a national championship. <laughs> now, i got to tell you, you know, it's almost laughable. And all of you Wolfpack fans that are watching right now, this is your moment to really get hyped about something. You know, go ahead and let's see. Let's see you identify yourselves out there in Facebook land right now in the name of Jesus. You know, come clean with it. All right. So you're, you're commenting and you're letting us know who you are. So this team, understand this in all seriousness, was not at all a likely candidate. They were nobody's choice for a national championship. But they also told a story about how every year, every year, every year that Coach Valvano was there, they set aside one practice during that season. And all they did during that one practice was as they do at the national championships and the, and the conference tournaments, whoever wins that, is to climb up that ladder and cut the nets off the rim. And they said every year at one of those practices, that's what they practiced. They practiced what it was like to be the champion. And it began to whet their appetites and it began to lend a certain reality to, to what was being spoken over their lives as this coach comes in and says, hey, we're going to win a national championship. And time after time, they faced heartache and troubling circumstances. But every one of those players that were interviewed, most of them are 50 years old or more now at this point, they told about how their coach continued to speak life over them and continued to speak encouragement to them. And his wife told of all the index cards that she would find in her husband's coat pocket with this dream written down on it. And finally one day, just three short years later, that dream was recognized with a national championship by the NC State Wolfpack. Now I want to tell you this, that if this man could have such passion 
over a handwritten dream that was that was written that he authored himself and carried around in his sport coat pocket on an index card then how much more passion should we have about the revealed word of God that no matter the adversity that we face we speak life we speak hope we speak healing we speak deliverance we speak providence and we speak miracles over our situations speak in agreement with Almighty God and you say pastor you don't understand how far I am from where I need to be you don't even understand how far I am from where I thought I was three weeks ago and now all of a sudden my whole world has changed I want to tell you this today you may not be where you want to be just yet and things may not look the way you want them to look or you had expected them to look but I say to you that the God I serve calls things that are not as though they are prophesy over your life prophesy over your situation not don't be standing around repeating the lies of defeat and discouragement not by recounting to everybody who messed up your how messed up your situation is not by telling everybody how defeated and discouraged you've been but by standing in the word of God speaking in agreement with the one who said that he would make you the head and not the tail proclaiming the promises of the book that declare you've been made strong in the Lord and you've been healed by his stripes prophesy greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world prophesy I might not be where I want to be right now but I know that he's working all things together for my good prophesy I'm pressed but not crushed I'm persecuted but not abandoned I may be struck down but I'm not destroyed prophesy Job 13 uh, Job 19 23 through 25 oh that my words were recorded that they were written on a scroll that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in a rock forever that I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end He will stand on the earth. Prophesy to the dry bones around you and see God bringing life where there's now death. Prophesy to the giant in your path and say, you come to me with a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of my God, and this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you and take your head from you and give your carcass to the birds of the air. Listen, don't take your trouble, child of God, lying down, cowering in the corner, repeating the lies of the adversary, speaking death over your life. You prophesy in the name of Jesus. You get into this word. You take the extra time you have right now. You get into this word. You understand who you are in Christ and who he is in you. Then you stand before your giant. You stand before your adversity. You stand before your trouble. Prophesy. Every promise of God in Christ Jesus is yes and in him, amen. You say, well, pastor, what if I get it wrong? No, 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 you won't get it wrong. As long as you're speaking in agreement with God, you're not going to get it wrong. As long as you're declaring, thus says the Lord, you're not going to get it wrong. Oh, you're going to be right. You're going to be right. And you know how I know that you're going to be right? Because you're not declaring your own wishes and hopes about the situation. But you're declaring a promise from an almighty, eternal God.
that has already been settled in heaven. It's already done. Listen, Jesus came and he fought and he has won the victory for you and I. And it's been given to us. But the responsibility is ours in situations and in times such as we face right now to stand up and enforce it. And I challenge you today, church, in the midst of troubling and trying times, I urge you to earnestly seek after spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you have already fought our battles. You have fought our battles. You have triumphed over them with great authority. And Lord, through your word, you have handed that authority to us. Lord, that we might stand therein. We have an accurate record of what you've done for us and what what your atoning work has provided for us. And Lord, now in the greatest of trouble, in the great days of adversity, we are able to stand and prophesy and declare victory and declare strength and declare healing. Father, I pray right now for the one that may not know you. God, I pray that you would give them courage in this moment to simply pray. Father, I confess that I'm a sinner that I need you in my life. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me, O oh God. Wash me in making me a new creation. Help me, Lord, from this moment forward to live a life that is yielded and surrendered to the direction of your Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And I receive your gift of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.